Good evening. We're going to be thinking about that passage from 1 John. And uh, before we do so, let's pray that God would give us wisdom through it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, that it is like a guide to our path, a light to our feet. We pray that as we do reflect on it, that you would change us to be more like your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, I don't uh, know how many of you know the American comedian Louis C.K. Quite possibly more of you know him uh, than knew about the nude games in Byron Bay that I mentioned at the start of last week's sermon. Anyway, Louis C.K. is an American satirist and he skews quite often towards the dark. Uh, He has a few shows under his belt, including one that's just called Louis. Uh, It's largely autobiographical and it's pretty cynical as well. And in season one, he has a monologue where he talks about how he was married for 10 years and now he's divorced uh, with two children at 41. Anyway, he says, says, "It's, it's hard to start again after a marriage. He says, it's hard to really look at someone and go, hey, maybe something nice will happen. I know that if you smile at somebody and they smile back, you've just decided that something horrible is going to happen. You might have a nice couple of dates, and then she'll stop calling you back, and you'll feel horrible. Or you'll date for a long time, and then she'll have sex with one of your friends, or you'll have sex with one of hers, and that'll be horrible. Or you'll get married, and it won't work out, and you'll get divorced and split your friends and money, and that's horrible. Or you'll meet the perfect person, who you love infinitely and you even argue well and you grow together and you have children and then you get old together and then she's going to die. And that is the best case scenario. You're going to lose your best friend. Everything, he says, that makes you happy is going to end at some point and nothing good ends well. It's like if you buy a puppy, you're bringing it home to your family and saying, hey, Look, everyone, we're going to cry soon. Look at what I brought home. I brought home us crying in a few years. Here we go. Let's count down to sorrow with a puppy. Love, love in this world, I think is right, is is hard, and it often causes pain. I think it's messy, and sometimes it's hard to give love. And it's hard to receive love, and sometimes love destroys things. So then, what do we make of Jesus saying, by this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another? And as we just heard, when he was asked about what's the greatest commandment, he said it's about love. Love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, It is... This that sums up the law and the prophets. And as John writes in this letter, he says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. But anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. John's letter is about love. It's especially about God's love, but it's about us and the love that we have to have as well. It's about love and hate and light and darkness. 
And while life is mostly messy and it's grey and hazy and it's easy to feel like you're lost in the fog of life, but John gives us very stark alternatives for his readers in the first century and his readers today. Uh, He helps us to take something of our spiritual pulse and to catch our reflection through these stark either-or alternatives. That is, when you look at your life, you either walk in the light or in the dark. You either love God or the world. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. And when you stand before God, he'll either say to you, yes or no. That is, this starkness helps you to figure out which direction you're going in and maybe which direction you should go in. Uh, And in chapter 2, we come to a choice of to love or not to love. Um, to be, it's not as catchy as to be or not to be, which uh, Camus, the philosopher, says is the ultimate philosophical question about whether or not life is at all worth living. Uh, but I think to love or not to love is maybe more basic because what's worth living in life if you don't have love? And I want us to just think about what it means to love each other or not, and to love the world or not. Uh, I just particularly want to talk about loving each other, but I feel like to do justice to the passage, I've got to cover what not to love. I like things to be short, uh, and I don't think uh, that my enjoyment of punk music is entirely restricted to the shortness of the songs, But I think a 150-second song is maybe the perfect length. It doesn't outstay its welcome. So give me 150 seconds to talk about what not to love. So John says, don't love the world or anything in it. If you love the world, love the Father isn't in you. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in riches comes not from the Father, but from the world, the world and its desires are passing away. Now, I think it's kind of hard to articulate the point uh, better than John does. There's not a great deal of nuance in it. And, of course, the Bible is an anti-world. If you've read anything of the Bible from the start, you know the first verse is that God made this world. Uh, It's the first thing that you get, that God bothered to make this world. Uh, everything in it as well, whether it's your belly button fluff or your collarbone or your breath when you wake up in the morning, they're God's idea. Uh, God made them. This uh, world isn't something to escape. It's not that we're longing to be liberated from our bodies. God made them. When you look in the mirror, you see something of God's image there. And that's it. Uh, I could say more, but uh, if you want to know more, talk to me. Come to one of the Bible studies we run, and uh, that's it. So then, what to love? Uh, He says, beloved brothers and sisters, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning, the commandment that you heard. Uh, That is, he's not trying to say something that's completely out of left field. He's not 
giving some completely new teaching that his readers hadn't heard of before. But then he says, Yet I am writing you a new commandment, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates their brother or sister is still in the darkness. But anyone who loves their brother or sister is in the light. We are called by God to a particular life, and it's one of love. And it's especially because God first loves us, uh, and uh, we see that in lots of different sorts of ways. I mean, I think how great thou art articulates some of them. But it's true that we see something of God's goodness and his love to us in that he gives good things to good people and bad people. Uh, we see something of his love in giving us our existence, in giving us life and breath, even morning breath, and work and rest and friendship. In protecting us, he gives us food to eat and he gives us people to love and to receive love from. Now, these are general ways in which God shows his love for us. And yet when the New Testament writers uh, want to us to understand the, the apex of God's love, uh, with one vision they look to the same place, uh, that is the cross. Uh, I mean, it's clear in John's letter where he says in chapter 4, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In Ephesians chapter 5, uh, the writer could say, be imitators of God as beloved children and uh, live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. In Romans, it says it again, in case we kind of miss the point, in Romans it says, at just the right time, uh, when we were still enemies of God, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, with one mind, it's to the cross of Jesus that the writers turn. The shameful and violent and degrading crucifixion. Uh, the place you would think would be the last place to find love. But in the, in, the, in the bloody execution of the loving God by his loveless creation, we see God's love most clearly. God is love. That's who God is at his core. He doesn't leave us in our pain. Uh, he's not far from you when you're on the edge of the abyss. And because he loves us, uh, we need to be people of love, of welcome. The kind of people uh, who walk across the room and say hi, of looking out for the sad and the lonely and the repellent and loving them. And love is hard work uh, and it often hurts. To quote The Walking Dead, when you care about people, hurt is part of the package. Love means opening yourself up in a way that means you can get hurt. I think Louis C.K. is kind of right. And C.S. Lewis, who, his name is kind of similar to Louis C.K., uh, he has this great quote in The Four Loves. Uh, he says, To love it all 
is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, then you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully, round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It won't be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. There is a, a great part in the movie Magnolia, which I think is one of the best movies. Peter Anderson, fantastic filmmaker. Anyway, there's this uh, bit towards the end where you've got the William H. Macy character who plays a tragic, tragic guy. He uh, got famous as a quiz kid, Donnie Smith. Uh, and he's a man who's quite lost in the world. He's in love with uh, the local bartender. And at the age of 60, he gets braces to try to impress him. Anyway, it all goes wrong, and after he gets the braces, he gets most of his teeth smashed out. And afterwards, he's sitting down, and he, he says to the guy next to him, he says, I don't know where to put things. I really do have love to give, but I just don't know where to put it. Uh, I, think, I think that sums up something of how life often works. But this morning, tonight, as we think about love, about the old commandments, that's the new commandment that Jesus gives us, it's good to get us thinking about what sorts of things should characterize us as a church, as Jesus' church, as a community of Christians. This should be a, like a hotbed of love. This should be a love haven. This should be like a sweaty love pit uh, here. Uh, the church is to be a place of unique healing and connection, where we're accepted and deeply loved, where we find relationships and create relationships in which we can give of ourselves and receive love back. And just like Jesus said, people will see that we are his disciples if we love each other, as hard as that sometimes is. Uh, as John says, we may be sure that we know God if we obey his commandments. And his commandment is to love. The poet Auden said, um, he said, we must love one another or die, which has the sort of starkness that, uh, that John speaks with. But we're to love. Uh, love our enemies, love those we don't particularly like, to love our friends and love our weird aunties. And love, love will last, as painful as it might be. Uh, Tertullian, who was a Christian writer from the third century, uh, uh, commenting on those who were hostile to Christianity, uh, could still... Uh, recognize that they saw something different in an, amongst the church. And Tertullian wrote, um, look, they say, 
how these Christians love one another and how they're ready to die for one another. We are called to that. Uh, And I think what's encouraging in thinking about this is the sort of tokens that I can see of the love that we have for each other, of the way in which we bear one another's burdens amongst us, how we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I think there are such encouraging signs of God's spirit at work amongst us in the love that we have for each other. So can I just say, uh, if you are a Christian here tonight, these are your brothers and sisters that God has given you. I mean, maybe look around. God has given us to each other. Uh, These are our brothers and sisters. Just as with brothers and sisters are those who feel we have a deep bond with and spend time with and keep in our hearts, so it is to be with us. And to that end, let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we can see it so clearly in your Son. We pray that that love would infect us, that it would be buried down deep in us. And we pray that you would help us to love each other truly and dearly. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.